HavanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Marshall here, folks. Welcome back. What are you talking about? Talking about True Detective. Oh, because you're going to take over the True Detective recaps when I go to Italy. Yes. Okay. Well, I don't care if you go to Italy. The problem is you're taking your wife to Italy. Yeah, so. <laughs> and we need her to write the True Detective recaps. Um, I liked it. Yeah, I did too. I just, I, I felt it was, uh, I felt it was very, uh, very much paid homage to James Elroy's uh, L.A. trilogy, which most people just know as L.A. Confidential, which is based on the middle book from that book series. Well, like the other mf in the room, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. See what I did there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said he was an I'm, an, I'm also an MF, forget it. You are, you are. <laughs> in more ways than yeah. one. In all ways. Um, so, if people didn't know what we were talking about, um, with regards to, quote, writing the True Detective recaps, um, I mean, you must be living under a rock if you don't know, or maybe just in Canada. Yeah. Um, so, we relaunched Top8Magic.com but in a completely different website. So it's not top8magic.com at all anymore. So, I mean, and, and relaunched is probably a generous statement. I think there might be more posts on this site one week in than we ever had on top8magic.com. Yeah. I think it's possible. Um, so uh, when we first made the Top 8 Magic Facebook page, which if, if you haven't joined it, you should just pause this podcast right now, go to Facebook, dot com slash top eight magic and join it now. Do we have a fetch on Facebook page yet? Okay, you are just gonna confuse the hell out of the world. Also you could actually just check. This is so this'll be this will be an experiment. I checked and someone was following the Fetchland. There's no Fetchland Facebook page. I did not make it. Can't you just like change the name of Top Eight Magic to Fetchland? Go to twitter.com slash fetchland mtg. It's BS. I couldn't get Fetchland. <laughs> um, you just go to twitter.com slash fetchlandmtg. See if somebody, God bless them, somebody's following <laughs> Fetchland. <laughs> it has no po- it has no tweets yet. So Fetchland, Fetchland, how can you not type Fetchland? Find. All right, Fetchland MTG. Yeah, go go see. I think somebody's following it. What? It has a follower. Um, Bacon Fork. Bacon Fork. We love you, Bacon Fork. Bacon Fork has got a time walk background. Bacon Fork. You are He's number only one. following three people, and one of them, one of them is, is Fetchland. <laughs> yeah, Bacon Fork! So, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, um, back when we made the Top 8 Magic Facebook page, like, I don't know, two years ago or whatever, uh, I put, like, what website are you? And we put Top 8 Magic, and Carrie Dan, who does uh, the, the editing, wonderfully does the editing for this podcast on manadeprived.com, was like, yo, uh, why did you put Top8Magic.com? Your site is broken. <laughs> it's been broken for years. And we were like, you know, we'll get to it someday. <laughs> and yeah. so um, we've been like spitballing, doing a project that was just like not like, the world doesn't need another just magic site. I don't think. Right? right. Like we're already you might very well be listening to this podcast on a magic site that we've been working with for the past two or three years. The world doesn't need another magic site. Right. So we we're like, hey, I went to a tournament. I played Jund. <laughs> so we we're like, you know, we have we have these really diverse interests. Spoilers we have, on Ferendo's. <laughs> Next tournament report. Um, I'm not gonna play John. So I'm playing Murfolk. Yeah, yeah, the folk. Are, are you are, are you qualified for the regional PTQ this weekend? No. I'm so glad I did not qualify for the regional PTQ because I would have been pissed at myself because I'm going to Italy. Oh right? yeah, so, that'd be bad. It would have been real bad. So bragging about it. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So, um, uh. I lost my train of so thought. So anyway, website broken. Website broken. So, you know, a few years went by. <laughs> and you know, we, we've just been thinking about doing all kinds of things like we do on the podcast, right? So we talk about magic, sure, on the podcast. But we talk about other things like sports and TV, movies we watch, like that. And, you know, we're giving it a go. See, uh, see how it works. If you haven't seen it yet, but you're probably living under a rock if you haven't. Brian did the first installment of something which is called Kitchen Table Gaming. And it's just one of the best things I've ever seen in terms of magic-related media, I would say. Everyone was just, like, stone in love with it. Like, it was it was so much fun. It was so much 
well wishing already. Well, it was pretty cool, actually. I think the cool. So, if, if you haven't seen it, it's a it's a cooking show and a gaming show. Yeah. So it's sort of like a little bit like tabletop, except you know without Will Wheaton and with me, um, but also but also cooking. So, uh, which is like something I love almost as much, if not more, than Brian's gaming. Sometimes really into the cooking. Like if you watch it, like he talks about ingredients the way that a rational person would talk about, let's say. Alternate art bile blight, like I'm like. <laughs> well, speaking of which, do you have my deck? Oh, I do have your deck. Oh, I don't actually have my bag, so just... Okay. I'll leave actually, it... Oh, I don't want to leave it here, but oh, anyway. we shouldn't leave it here, so yeah. I didn't bring my bag. I guess... I you just have to carry it home. You have a deck. I have a plastic bag for you. All right. Because you I, also have a playmat. I have a playmat? Yeah, Paul Jordan gave you his playmat. Nice! That playmat is worth much more than the rental of a deck for <laughs> the three rounds that he, he must have played. Yeah, so, yeah... Like a normal person, you know, like me, might say, "Hey, I have an alternate. I have alternate art bio blights in my deck, like I do." Yeah, I um, might say chiffonade. What's chiffonade? That's when you cut like a uh, bundle of herbs up into like little ribbons. Yeah, I would never know that word. <laughs> that seems cray. Um, but anyway, you should go watch it. People were like in love with it, and this the greatest fault in the world was. Randy Bueller and Patrick Chapin also loved it and told people to like like the YouTube page. I, I know. Was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's like thanks for the YouTube link. I mean, I appreciate like, it, but send like, them to Factual. Like, I don't know how they even got to the YouTube page. I don't right? know. Like if if I put if I put the link and there's a it's on page that you can just click watching the video. How did do they? They just like navigate. Oh, I guess we have a link to our YouTube page on Fetchland.com, just sure. like we have a link to. A, a Twitter account with no tweets. Yeah, uh, yeah. That yeah. Bacon Fork is followed. Bacon Fork, you are the man. Uh, actually, also just so Zach Levine, who's someone uh, Meta Nightmare, I think on Twitter, mm -hmm. he uh, he actually made the sushi nachos that were in the episode. Did he take a picture? He did. He, yeah, he sent me a picture. It was awesome. We should put it on the site. We should. We didn't post anything yesterday, so we uh, <laughs> anything that we can get. <laughs> Is going up on the site, and I'm believe me, I'm like real dubious about what's going to happen while I'm on vacation. I think I saw that he used salmon and tuna. Yeah, which I said you can use whatever. Yeah, you can do whatever. Yeah, I mean, like even Jiro is like some days we don't have tuna. Yeah, you got well, like, you got whatever they got the market. So when I, in fact, when I the day I shot the episode, I went to get the tuna that day, and normally I make that recipe with Otoro. That's fatty tuna. Yeah, it's really oh. fatty tuna, which is just like it's just like this fat overload. It's so good, like on the fatty like. Guacamole. You're just uh, the worst person. So, if you read the blog posts about the 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 the, the what did you call it sushi nachos? Sushi grade nachos. Yeah. You just keep changing the names of it. No, I said it was sushi grade nachos. You have like two different names for the cookies. I did. I changed it. The better name for the cookies. Just dark rituals. Dark, dark yeah, chocolate yeah. rituals is a better name. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he tells this story on the blog, but we should put this in the show notes about like he has a, a Brian, the scumbag sitting next to me, has a Japanese. Uh, Japanese supermarket. supermarket that I've never heard of before reading this blog post last week. In Mitsua. They're in a bunch of cities. Right? You could just go and they'll just cut you like a platter of Toro. Basically, so picture like an iPhone 6, the big one. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now picture a sl that as a piece of Otoro. So this would be like, that's like an eight ounce steak basically. Yeah. Now picture it sliced, so a sushi chef goes in and slices it into so the they carries. have a sushi chef, not just a dude at like no, the No, they, they, they have like a, they have a sushi guy who will slice it up into nigiri, and that piece of iPhone oh, 6. Oh, well, into nigiri, so they're putting it on rice for you? No, 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 I'm sorry, they put it into the little nigiri, just the little slabs. Okay. So they'll each one, you know, like I little sashimi pieces. I'm sorry, sushi, little sushi, okay. sushi meat pieces. Nigiri is over the yeah, rice yeah, yeah. ball, right? But that'll cost you about... 12 to 14 bucks. Are you kidding me? Basically the price of one, one little piece, piece of yeah, Otoro sashimi around when, when the corner I, from us. When I go to, I get one piece and then I get leered at by my wife. I'm, yeah, that one piece costs as much as an entire <laughs> roll. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware. Yeah, under under 20 bucks for like a whole, just a glutton's worth of Otoro. Wait, but what if I wanted two glutton's worth? Then it would be like 24 bucks. I'm just move. Maybe I'll just move to the the grocery store. Right? Like, <laughs> and and it's insane because they also have just like every Japanese no, candy. What every you just Japanese said was just in the, insane already. They don't need to have anything. Else. Yeah, no. The place the place is pretty amazing. They have, uh, you know, all these different like Japanese food stands, so you can get like any kind of 
you know, fried octopus balls or Japanese ice cream or... I, have you ever seen them make the fried octopus balls? It's like awesome. That's crazy, right? I want that. I want that that, that that thing, right? Like... Yeah, I forget what it's called. It's a, I don't know. So if you guys have ever seen it, it's like a sheet with holes in it, right? Like circular holes and they just pour... It, it looks like a cake pop maker. Yeah, like... But then they just... <laughs> half of a cake pop maker, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just pour the... Oil into it. What is it... The batter, but the, for they 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 put oil in it, and then they put the batter in it, and then the batter cooks, and they flip it with chopsticks, so it cooks on both sides. Yeah, but then they like it's like a, a pan, like a huge pan pancake worth of batter, and they manipulate it just into the into these half holes, and they all come out round. I just I don't get it. Whoever invented that was like maybe Elon Musk and Tony Stark had a baby together, <laughs> and it came out with this octopus ball making thing. So um, among the things that we're gonna we're gonna do on fetch we're, we'll probably probably do soon. I, I want to do a food feature where we just go and you know we talk about getting good burgers. Yeah. Spoilers. Chris Lansdale from Canada is gonna come come visit us. He's he's on this website too, man. Yeah, yeah. Gonna come visit. He's in New York. We're gonna we're gonna get Shake Shack later. We we could go get Shake Shack. We could also just go get Chinese food. Like we're in Chinatown, we could go like. Well, we could go to Bossa Nova, which I like. I know you like Bossa Nova. Um, I just went there like a week ago. Great. I, I, you know, I went with Wang. I think the last time I went, I went oh, no, no, I went with you. Yeah, the last yeah. time I went, but I went with Wang. And that reminds me, Wang just listened to our hashtag top eight cards episode. And he had a list of retractions that I had to make. He called me yesterday and he's just like, when are you recording? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe tomorrow. He's like, the following things were just <laughs> factual inaccuracies. I want them corrected on the podcast. So here goes. Number one, Wang qualified for the Pro Tour during the um, home decapped five of season. Not Ice Age Alliances. He also qualified with Web Browser during okay. that, but he'd qualified prior to that with a, a straight Necro deck. Okay. With uh, two Sulphur Springs Ooh. and two City of Brass, because he needed to get Chronicles cards. So it's City of Brass and his Necro deck. That's risky. And then he played like two Shatters. To kill other people's Nevin Ross disc. <laughs> so you can see you can see the technology that they had there, Shatters and City of Brass and your Necrobones deck. Um, and then he then he did qualify with Web Browser uh, during the Ice Age Alliance's season. Um, those those things did occur. And he had other retractions, but I've already forgotten. <laughs> Just tell him there at the end of the podcast. That's he, he listens to the damn podcast, he Brian. Listen to the He's going to listen to the end. Nobody listens to the end. They Come do. On. They do. Come on. They listen to the end. So, um, uh, anyway, wait, I want to do this. Thing. Let's do a tour of the city. And just get burgers at a bunch of places. You know who has a shockingly good burger? Not shockingly good like, like you eat it like you're electrically shocked or anything yeah. like that. Like that would be like if you went to Minnesota. You, you could probably get that. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's shockingly good in that like you're surprised in the context of this having a great burger there is Whole Foods. Oh, really? I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. See, it's shocking. Yeah. That's, that's it's shocking. shocking. That's I, a, like, I don't even know how you need to go that far down on the list. You're like, you know what? I'm, gonna, I, I'm telling you. I'm going to get a burger at Whole Foods. There's probably a place right next to Whole Foods where you can get a very the, good the burger. The Whole Foods that I go to get the burgers across the street from the Shake Shack that I took you and Marshall to. Yeah, yeah you could just go to the Shake Shack. Across the street. Why would you just buy the burgers from there? Look, man. What are you, a scientist or a detective? You're, are you the true detective? You, you, uh, you need to add is the, that what that is? You need to add the Brindle Room. To your burger. Is that the bacon fat place? No, it's uh, they just. Which is. Oh, look, the other MF is like bacon fat place. Uh, Brindle Room's a place on East 10th Street, all the way over on the east side. When you say you have to add this, we are going to go together. Okay. We're going to so get do, all the burgers. So they do We're a burger. Document it's, them for Fetchland. It's like, you know, prime, you know, whatever really good beef, yeah. but then 70 beef, and then he cuts the fat cap off the beef and then mixes that in in a 30% ratio into the burger. And it's just a super simple burger. It's just like a brioche bun, the burger, and some caramelized onions. It's like super simple, and that's all he'll do. It's like, how much is, does it cost? Nine bucks. See, here's the thing. It's, that it's, sounds unbelievable for nine bucks, but he could probably charge 20 bucks and I'd pay it's ridiculous. He also, I'm just He also does duck confit poutine. Is that just for the Canadian listeners? And no, that is just for the New York listeners to go get. So, it is ridiculous have you been to the new place by it's not even new anymore it's been open for a year now by where i live we used to keep talking about it. i don't go anywhere I, unless i'm like going to see you i yeah. don't go All where right, you so live fine fine um 
I think we've we've done this enough. Let's talk about Magic Origins. <laughs> so anyway, uh, fetchland.com. Uh, if you don't check out anything else, check out Brian's video, which people are in love with. Uh, there's going to be more of them. There's tons of excitement. Yeah, I got, I got two more. I got two more queued up. So in, in the, what about this bacon fat burger? We're going to eat all the good burgers. We're going to we're going to have like a BuzzFeed article about or or sixteen or so BuzzFeed article about. About burgers. About the burgers that we eat and the adventures that we have eating the burgers, uh, and then um, also, also, uh, Brian, I, the two episodes ago, you guys are probably listening. Brian talked about watching Banshee. Oh yeah. At the gym, so I watched the first season of Banshee. I'm writing Banshee recaps. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Banshee, but I wanted. I'm, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to write so recaps. Ones on Showtime or Max? Cinemax. Cinemax. It's, it's super fun though. It's like it's like just. It is a celebration of sex, violence, and authority. Yeah. So, like, the, the triumvirate of fiction, right? So, all, all fiction has one of those three that's, that has any amount of interestingness. And really compelling fiction tends to layer two or more of those things. So, if you think of, like, the ultimate, ultimate in, like, memorable stories, they tend to, tend to be very commingled. Like, the character of Zeus, for example, is this guy who's, like, gets around a lot. He's in charge of everything. And, you know, if you piss him off, he'll throw lightning bolts at you. Yeah. Or, like, turn you into a cow or a goose or something like that. Banshee is nothing like... Ba- Banshee That's is... only when he's going on a date. Banshee is nothing like this. <laughs> so, Banshee is... I won't... It's awesome, though. It's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's just like... Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I read about... I, I had dismissed it as, like, existing as a real show based on its home on Cinemax. <laughs> <laughs> Fell out of my chair, <laughs> and then uh, and then I read a I guess I read an Andy Greenwald review going into season three, and he just like called it greasy fun, greasy, <laughs> and just like referenced like all these kind of like pulp crime stories that yeah. I really enjoy. It's it's I think it's tough. Though. Uh, it's easy to like and easy to watch from the context of liking it. It's tough to write about because they venture into some areas that are you know a little edgy. That's sure. The, Sure, I I am uh, I'm in love with the woman who plays his his uh, romantic interest. I I don't want to try to pronounce her name because it's yeah, got like a lot of consecutive vowels. She's 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 gorgeous. She's totally badass. I mean, there must be a rule on Banshee. Like every halfway good looking female character just just bears it all every episode, right? Like that's is that that the rule book? I guess so. I don't know because that's just a factual statement. I mean, the, the guys can bear almost all. You know, I mean, some of them, but but there's no there's no shortage of man nudity on this show yeah, either. Man so ass. man and other things <laughs> lying on the floor <laughs> or whatnot. But it's uh, uh, this is a it's an over the top show. It's but over. She's she's like I mean like so the scene where really, I think she's all right. Really, how about this? like all right, like attractive or all right as a character? Yeah, like all right as in like how good looking I think. A female actress. I mean, you can make your argument, yeah, yeah, sir. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. Just, I'm, I don't want to. We don't have to fight. This is great. No, I, I also think like it's this, not like you get to keep her because oh, I said she was all right. Oh, like that's not how it works. she just doesn't go into your to your satchel <laughs> like your bag yeah. of holding your binder. Like, yeah, like, you don't get to keep her. I mean, we're just discussing, you know. Um, no, like, I, love, I, think, I love the scene. If I the- say that I think that Liam Hensworth is better looking than Chris Hemsworth. I just have a problem with my glasses, right? Like, that doesn't mean that I, I get to keep the you Hunger keep Games franchise versus the Avengers franchise. Uh, yeah, no, the, the scene the scene at the party where, you know, she's spoilery, but, you know, where she, like, puts her husband down on the ground to protect him Yeah, is just, like, one of my favorite. Season like, one? Yeah, it's, like, so, one of my favorite moments on the show. Too, yeah, I noticed that, too. No, I haven't seen too spoilery. I thought, like, starting with episode three where she infiltrates the gangster's lair, right? It takes the show out of the... There's this sort of, like, gritty realism to the show. Like, this is how shitty it is to be in this rural area. This is how dirty this is. This is what it's like to be in a meatpacking plant uh, that is, you know, compounded by violence constantly. Or this is what it's like to be in a prison yard brawl, right? These are the... These are kind of the experiences that they're showing you. And then they transplant her to... Like this, like she's just like it. Literally, Black Widow. 
Right? She's wearing all black. She's being a super spy. She's doing, like, acrobatics. And she's speaking an Eastern European dialect as she defeats her opponents. That's her native tongue. I understand that. I'm just saying it's just... It completely takes her out because the the athletics that she's doing are not human, right? right They're yeah, like, yeah. Captain, you, you need to be in the Red Room and get your super soldier serum in order to do basically, this. Basically, Hood is Parker. He's like the super criminal. Yeah. And she's like his equal. She's like his, his she, you think, counterpart. You think that she's his equal? Yeah, I think she's I, at least his equal. I think she's Hamlet. That's. I'm, I'm only... I haven't really watched anything past yeah. the first season yet, but like just a little bit in the second season. Um, I think she's Hamlet more than anything, at least in the first season, right? Where I think she's racked by indecision, which is blunting her efficacy. And like, if you see, like in the fight scenes, for example, if Hood is against like a single capable opponent, like he's gonna get messed up, right? So the idea of her being able to defeat four armed bikers, okay? She's like a hundred pound woman, right? She gets jumped by four armed bikers, and she can hold her own against them. Is it takes it out of realism to me. No, I, 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 so I mean, so the guy who made this show, yeah, the guy who is Alan Ball, which is like the guy who did like True Blood. This and is American just, Beauty, right? And American Beauty and Six Feet Under. And, but like basically, this is just a show about vampires and werewolves without vampires. Or, like replacing vampire and werewolf tropes with gangster and pulp crime tropes. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Okay. okay. I'm just saying. They do such a good job of showing you how shitty some of these life elements are. And, like, like just random Amish people, like, underfoot while people are trying to commit crimes, right? That's, that, and then, all of a sudden, the Avengers hit the table. It, it, that's, it's jarring, I think. When she fights, like, four armed bikers, aren't you getting, like, this feeling, this is, Difference. Hood fights one guy. He's got like busted everything. So, so my feel, my feeling, and he's incredibly my feeling, deadly, right? But my, no, my feeling is he was never as deadly as her. She was always the deadly one. He got deadly in prison when he beats the albino, or he, when he, he beats he gets he gets deadly in prison. She was always, she was the driver. She was the like the ev- muscle. It's like everyone who sees him fight are like he's like just the most dangerous yes, man on he's, earth. Yes, like, because he survived. How about 15 years in prison? When he's with constantly trying to constantly, be killed. Constantly, right? yeah, under constant, like, directed assault. From, like, all the gangs, yes, right? Yes, so, yeah, yeah, so. Uh, but anyway, not, I mean, we probably gave spoiler elements, but if yeah, you've listened to this podcast at all. Yeah, you're screwed. It, you, <laughs> you knew what was coming. Uh, I think that it's fun. You know what's shocking to me? Andrew Cuneo watches it. Oh, he's yeah. the world's nicest vegetarian. I put, <laughs> I put that first... A uh, recap of, and he's just like, spoilers, but the villain is an alternate world Kai Buddha. <laughs> like, tweets that. And the villain's name is Kai. And he's, and he's Amish, so he speaks German. So, you know, Pencil- people say Pennsylvania Dutch, right? But they're not Dutch. It's a mispronunciation of the word Deutsch. So <laughs> the Amish speak German. So I'm like, oh my God, it is Kai. So... I didn't know Kai had a giant Jesus tattoo on his back. I mean, do you see Kai take his shirt off that often? Or are you Not one of his often. amorous partners? No. Maybe John has. <laughs> All right. So um, are we talk about some uh, some magic cards. I think we should start with the new Nissa because fetch that land, you know. Sure. We were, we were just talking. Fetchland.com. Also, yeah. the new Nissa fetches land. Also, another Nissa-ish card fetches land. So Nissa Vastwood Seer is basically just Borderland Ranger. No. No. No, oh, it's basic forest. What else? What else? No. No, no. It what goes else in your hand. puts it into play? Yeah. So it's this worse than it's worse, worse than a border, than border, Borderland Ranger. Oh, this puts it into your hand. Yeah. Yes. Ugh. It's worse than a Borderland Ranger. This is one of the best cards ever printed for standard. It's unbelievably this? good. Yes. Two two G for two two. When Nissa Vestwood Seer enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic forest card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and shuffle your library. So. But it yeah. also says, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if you control seven or more lands, exile Nyssa, then return her to the battlefield transformed under her owner's control. And transformed, she is Nyssa Sage Animist. And she's Planeswalker with a plus one. Reveal it to oh, three, three loyalty Planeswalker. Yeah, three loyalty. Um, uh, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land card, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand. Uh, minus two. Put put a legendary four four green elemental creature token named 
Ashaya, the Awoken World, onto the battlefield. And minus seven, untap up to six target lands. They become six, six elemental creatures. They're still lands. So this card is fantastic. You can play it on turn two. It's awesome. You can play it on turn three. It's just fine. Uh, or, you know, it's always a two for one. It's a relevant size body, right? It's not like the best body. It's just relevant size body. It trades with a lot of things that people play. But then if you just play it with six lands in play, then you go three, three mana with six lands in play, get your forest, play the forest, Flip it over. You now have a Planeswalker. Patrick Chapin puts the Planeswalker at being value of five, right? He said people would just legitimately play five. GG three for um, for Nissa Sage Animist. Uh, and then you could either just draw an extra card, probably with four mana open, and you'd be able to do something cool with the extra card. Or you just play a four four, which means that for three mana, you got a two two body, a four four, uh, an extra land, and uh, right. You're not. You're not unlike and a planeswalker with it that's still got loyalty on the table. Right. Unlike what previous Nissan, you're not like putting a land at risk to make that four four. Well, you're creating the two two body for the four four body, right? Yeah, I mean, but you know, there's all kinds, of, all kinds of good stuff still left. Right? You got, you got at least a three for one out of this every time. And you can also go up to get just get a card. So the the thing that that's super cool about this is. Um, around the mana, I think that the card's misevaluated to begin with. Folks think, oh, you gotta play it in mono green or something, right? Because he only gets basic forest. But you know, you can just play it in any deck at all, right? And just have like four forests in your deck. There just has to be a forest in your deck when you play the Nissa. It doesn't, or it doesn't even have to. <laughs> like you could just play the Nissa and have a land in your hand if it's late in the game, and, right? And, and and set the trigger. If you only have, like if you have like five forests and four Nissas, but no fetch lands, like. You could play this in literal, you know, there's that mono blue devotion deck with Coco. You just play like this in a Coco deck that's mono blue or something. Not that people would probably do that. Right. But you could, and it wouldn't bend your mana that bad. It, it, you don't have to have an exhaustive number of force. But if you do, and if you play with like a lot of wooded foothills and windswept teeth, this card is absurd. You can play it when you've already got seven land in play, right? And Just break a fetch land. Then your Nissa is unkillable. Right? Because oh, yeah. if they try to kill it in response to the trigger, you just break your fetch land. Right? The fetch land resolves. You have the certain number of lands in play. The land trigger hits. While Nissa is in play, she will blink into the, into the other Nissa, and you will still get the forest. Right. Right? Like, so this card's... I, I think it's just absolutely absurd how good this card is. Very, 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 very happy to play with it. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I would put me on like ninety five percent chance to play this in me. I, I would, <laughs> I would put you on higher than that. higher than ninety five. Higher than ninety five percent, possibly higher than hundred percent. Let's go straight into mono green five color dragons. Yeah, I've convinced myself that that is a true statement. I'm not, <laughs> not testing. I mean, why would I not want to play the dragons? The dragons are the best. I don't know if people aren't playing them. They're dumb dumbs. I play dragons. Played Esper Dragons. What did you, what did you th five dragons. What did you think about Paul Jordan's Six mono black dragons? dragons. Uh, Excuse you. What did I think about it? So it was actually my original idea. Yeah. I was just like, I was just like, uh, I want Colgan to be good. I never told him to take out Silumgar. So then he sent me his deck list because you know I was going to provide the cards, and so I tested it, and it was not good at all. I was like, this card, this deck is really bad. Uh, let me give you a different deck. I basically own every card in standard that's relevant. Like, he, want, he wanted to play all kinds of whack cards that I didn't own, like Agent of Erebos. We're, we were not putting that in the 60-card deck. Um, are, are those Facebook comments? Yeah. Are they terrible? No, no. People They're good? Were, yeah, people, people were just commenting that, you know, about our clickbait today. So I've never <laughs> done a clickbait. I, I know this probably sounds crazy. I've never done a clickbait. I wasn't before. doing it as clickbait. I was doing it as a joke, right? It's funny. Yeah, so... Um, Someone accused us of rickrolling them. I thought it was a good article. Yeah, it is a really good article. Uh, you know. Anyway, long story short, uh, I thought this deck's really bad. Don't play it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and he's just like, no, it's the best deck that I tested. Just make it for me. It's not for him, and he didn't do very well. So I heart him. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I've gladly given him any deck I could have made. Uh, so Nissa Vestwood Seer, how does that compare to Jace? Vren's Prodigy. I think it, so if you just want to stack the the Planeswalker. Well, now this is a, you see Ferrando now so, sitting up right. What's the worst Planeswalker in your opinion of the of the new five? I don't I don't know that we've seen them all yet. Have yeah, we? Yeah, all of them are out. I haven't yeah. seen. What's the red one? Chandra. Chandra. I think Chandra's, oh. Chandra's the. I think Chandra's the worst too, but she's got her people who like her. I think Jace is the second worst. 
Okay, so let's, let's talk about Jace. Jace is, was revealed today, actually. Yeah. One U for an O2 legendary creature human wizard. Draw a card, then discard a card. If there are five or more cards in your graveyard, exile Vryn Prodigy, then return him to the battlefield, transformed under his owner's control. Wait, is it a May ability? No. Or you have to transform it? You have to transform it. You have to transform it. Then it becomes Jace Telepath Unbound. It's a five loyalty planeswalker, which is... You know, not unreasonable that this could happen on turn three. Oh, this is super easy to happen on turn three. Are you kidding? Yeah, fetch land. A fetch land and a sorcery. Yeah. Uh, plus one, up to one target creature gets minus two, minus zero until your next turn. So it protects itself a little bit. So like, oh, you have a Delver? Well, your Delver is going to get in for a one. You know. Uh, like Last Breath could also be made necromancy. Sure, sure, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Fernando said, in case you didn't hear, that Last Breath gets a lot better combined with Jace's Telepath on Balance yeah. ability. Uh, minus three, you may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn. Which we know you're going to have. If that card would play. be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So you, still have to, you still have to pay the casting cost. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Just, you know. But your instinct. And then, minus nine, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell... Target opponent puts the top five cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. That is almost irrelevant text. No, that's not true. It's got a weak condition. So, so sure. this is what I think is going to happen. I go, I go first turn, like, Temple of Mystery. Second turn, Fetchland Jace, right? Play Jace, go. Untap, cast Seder Wayfinder, dump three or four cards in my graveyard. Depending, right? I might just dump all the cards if there's a land. I play my other temple and then flip Jace. Like, Seder Wayfinder got me there. Right, and then, or like you could play Commune with the Gods, you could play with like anything, like, yeah. like those cards, just immediately set up Jace. These are all, these are just good cards that you would play, yeah. right? You and then also just dump them in the bin and then Ojitai's Command them back with Flash, like end of turn. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, Ojitai's Command is pretty sweet with Jace. With, with Jace. Um, also interesting, like, I love the idea that you could collected company, essentially collected company Planeswalkers. Any Planeswalker, yeah. 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 I think, like, the best combination is, of course, Liliana and... You can also vile Planeswalkers into play now, which is... Uncounted. <laughs> Luckily, none of them are that powerful. None of them are that powerful. Like, I mean... I mean, this is pretty unreal, but... So... This is condition is so high, you need to have a bunch of lands up yeah. high. That fairy card we were talking about earlier? Yeah. With Collected Company? The one with fairy is unreal. Yeah. If you Collected Company and you have two of the fairies in, you draw two cards. So... We should talk about that card. Yeah. So, uh, I think this card is the second worst of the one. It's good, though. It's, it's a Planeswalker that has... Uh, I mean, it's, it's Snapcaster like snap Mage. I mean, do you think this card is better or worse than like, Pythion? Like, I just... Uh, I cast this. I, I, I flip it, and I bolt your guy. Like, yeah, it's a good card. Cards that are named Jace. This card is really good. Dude, his ingenuity I, was pretty good. I, I'm so. I think this card is better than... Fourth? Than, than Nyssa. No way. I like it more than Nyssa. I think it's better okay, than Nyssa. Here's a, there's a huge difference between these two cards. The problem I have... Nyssa always gets her man, okay? Even if her sure. man is just a forest. Sure. And if it's late in the game and you draw Nyssa, your opponent is doomed, so, Okay. If you play Jace, he's just dead most of the time. He has to he has to tap to flip. Sure. Right? That's right, a no, huge you, that's difference. You can't, you can't play him and, and get it flipped. No, even if you play him on the second turn, there's no guarantee he's going to flip. Right. right? Like, you may need to have him in play for, like, three turns before he flips. But again, that I goes back to... I want to hear that. This goes like, back to Ferrando, though. Like, I mean, we just watched this Je the, the Jeskai, uh, Dragonlord Jeskai deck yeah. at uh, Grand Prix Providence which was using Soulfire Grandmaster as its endgame. And so it would play, it would play Soulfire Grandmaster early, it would trade, it would get bolted, it would die, oh, something, tight, something terrible would happen to it. And then sort of the middle, the middle of the late game, they'd be like, oh, would you like to cast that dragon? Well, I'm going to counter your dragon with Ojitai's command, and I'm going to put Soulfire Grandmaster back into play. And you're dead. And then I'm going to start Stoke the Flaming with buybacking you. So th but, this so, is a so good is, card. So this They're is another card where you can just, you know, you're like, okay, they, they tap out to do something, you're like, do flip it, untap, flip it, you know, start going to town. I'm, I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying, like, this card is nowhere near as good as Nissa. The problem I have with Nissa is that if you think about it and, like, the abstract, it's really, all of its abilities are really similar to, like, Sarkin Unbroken. 
So it's like its up ability lets you get a card, its down ability lets you make a 4 4, and Sargon's like not very good right now. This Nissa costs three mana, mm -hmm. and in any context, she's getting her. She's just always gets her man. But if you, you play her on turn two, but you can't have that ability until turn seven. Or turn. That may or may not be the case, right? You could just play Nissa with Nissa's Seeking Dart. Right? What the hell is the name of the new Nissa so Seeking Dart? Three fours in the player something. Like a card, like even if you can't actually flip her until deeper in the game, that's okay. She's actually just. She's doing work. These other cards aren't doing any work. Like, Kytheon is just getting killed, probably, if you, if you play him early. You could play Kytheon and then just swing for the fences. He might Kytheon's just, a new Gideon? Yeah. In this, in this he might just format, die in combat before he gets to the point where he can He gave himself play. indestructible. But I think, like, the thing is, uh, in this, the way the format is actually currently set up, like, Kytheon's not actually dying. Kytheon's not dying until turn three. Nobody's playing Red Decks really right now. The best removal spells in the format it's cost, cost three. three that aren't ultimate price. Nobody's really playing Bottle Blade anymore. I mean, it also depends on like what kind of removal suite you see out of this set. I mean, if you think that these cards are not going to have a substantial impact on the standard format going into Pro Tour Vancouver, I mean, just going to have to disagree. Like, I mean, people I are going to radically change their decks. Like, I don't even think that some decks are going to be viable. I'm not disagreeing with you. But, like, people are going to play less tap lands. Like, they, they're going to have to adjust. All right, so here's a question. We we have Nissa ninety five percent to be in Mike's deck. We have Jace to be what? Like Jace sounds like a forty percent to be in your deck right now. I mean, I can Coco them both, right? Sure, you can. Okay, what is the percentage? Oh, Coco is going to put more cards in my graveyard. Everything's good here. What's the What's the percentage chance that Mike's going to play Bounding Crisis? Why don't you read what Bounding Crisis <laughs> is before we get into these percentage chances, Brian? One G. You. So three mana, one mana, green mana, blue mana, flash, uh, sorry, a fish lizard. <laughs> it's a 3-3, three, three, so it's a 3-3 three, three for three, right, in your sort of hot zone. And it has flash. And when Bounding Crisis enters the battlefield, you may tap or untap target creature. Like a Jace, for example. Like a Jace. You could, yeah, you could untap your Jace and get an extra activation off of it. You can... I put my chances on less than 5% to play this card. Less than 5%. Less than five. I'm going to take the over on 5%. Yeah? Yeah. You did call Pilgrim's Eye. You're, <laughs> you're playing Pilgrim's Eye. I'm like, I am not playing... Shit, Pilgrim's Eye is good. Um, yeah, the first time I played Pilgrim's Eye, I just went all the way to the, to the win. So, um, I, I, I see Bounding Crisis. You go back. I want to play Look at That Green card. The next one over. Oh, Nissa's Pilgrimage? Yeah. So This I seems... I mean, this is like the 100%... Most Flores-y card. This is it, this is like the gift of the. Is it, what's the name? It's the gift the, of the gargantuan. It's one? the fetchiest of fetch land cards. So if you want to, if you want to see what we do at fetchland.com, look no further than this is pilgrimage. <laughs> two G. This is what we do. Two G sorcery. Search your library for up to two basic forest cards. Reveal those cards and put one onto the battlefield tapped, and the rest into your hand and shuffle your library. Terrible Kodama. So it's reach. a terrible Kodama's reach. But then. It's uh, Spell Mastery. So if there are two or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, search your library for up to three basic forests instead of two. It's like an Ancestral Recall. <laughs> this card is just... Wait, do you... You still always, only get to put one into play. It's always, like, just as good as a divination. <laughs> the, the rest of the time... It makes your courses a lot worse. And better. Free looks, my friend. If you have a course room play, you play this, so you, you get another get free, free look at the time. My man, we we have plenty of lands, okay? <laughs> There's 27 more where that came from. I mean, this is, this 27 lands? 27 more. I got three out. <laughs> um, card I'm very excited about. So this is like the BDM-iest card in the entire set, right? Starfield of Nyx. So far. So far, yes. I mean, this is a crazy core set, right? Like, yeah, there's, there's a bazillion cards people are actually going to play. Pro Tour Magic 15 last year, right? Well, uh, I, I worked with uh, on Matt Sperling's team. Uh, Matt, you know, made, made top eight of that Pro Tour, and there was just nothing worth playing in the, in the entire set. I think the, the new Nissa got a little play in that. Yeah, episode. yeah. Just stone Ge Genesis Hydra, I think, was in that. Now, afterwards, like, Rattle like, Master. Yeah, people started to play those cards there, Later, but, yeah, but, but not the, really. Yeah, right? no, it wasn't a ton. No. But the, like Starfield of Nyx is like, if I don't play Nissa's and 
I guess Jesus. I guess that's what the he's like a looter, right? Yeah, he is a looter. Yeah, I like a looter. Yeah. If his if his flip was a mangle, he could have been given the sentence. So. Oh. What if I just can I just be dumping death miss raptors into my carrier? Is that a thing? Sure. Yeah. What are you doing that way? With which card? With Starfield? That's not probably no, not with like Jace. A, yes, with Jace, it's pretty good. I mean, like. Oh my god, this, this is the best deck ever. It's just like Jace. What if you but what if instead you were dumping what if instead up? you were green white constellation and you were like Seder Wayfinder? I'm for sure green white red constellation. Okay. What if you were, you know, like Seder Wayfindering, Eidolons of Blossoms, and Oblivion Rings or Banishing Lights or whatever they're it's called. So banishing so, but it's like you know, so let's read the card first. So Starfield of the Knicks is four W. For an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may return target enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. As long as you control five or more enchantments, each other non-aura enchantment uh, you control is a creature in addition to its other types and has base power and toughness, each equal to its converted mana cost. So this is a weird card because it counts the auras, but then doesn't make the auras grow up. Sure. So I look at this and I'm like, man, you could literally go like, you could go... Uh, Chain to the Rocks, Silk Wrap, uh, you know, Banishing. Silk, Silk Wrap's just 2 2, right? These are just cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, they're all getting their, they're all getting their money, right? And then you're just like, Starfield of Nyx. And there's nothing your opponents can do unless they play Ugin. If they have Ugin, this card stays. Yeah, yeah. This card's like bad against Ugin and bad against uh, Perilous Volt. But so, I think so it's Starfield of Nyx does not make itself into a creature, though, right? Um, but, like, even if they have, like, removal cards, like, Starfinix just gets back their stuff, like, their yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, the thing, I mean, Eidolon of Blossoms, getting an Eidolon of Blossoms back, if, if, if Starfield is active, it's a 4-4, first of all. Oh, yeah, so Starfield overwrites guys, right? Yeah. So, uh, I don't even know, don't even ask me what happens with gods. Brando uh, already asked me, he's like, what happens if you're, I don't know. No, but the, I think it's awesome with gods because they're already indestructible. Right. Right, so, like... So you I, mean, I guess you have like a three three for Rika or whatever, but I think it just cheats your gods and turns them on. But it doesn't turn them on as their as their, it as their them on devotion. As the smaller size. It definitely cheats and turns them on, but they're not like. It makes them tiny. But it's not yes. like a six six. It's like a four four. It's and they're indestructible. Right. It's still a three three uh, Thassa, right? I think that gods are probably going to be pretty good with Starfield of Nyx, especially since I plan to play with Nylea's presence so I can cast whatever gods I want. <laughs> you know, Nylea's presence doesn't become two twos. Yeah, but it, no, but it counts. You need to catalyze your cards, right? I'm going to have, like, one Evolving Wilds that's got a Nylea's presence and four, <laughs> four Chain to the Rocks on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is actually your, the deck you were playing. Yeah. That deck was good. I think it's, but the problem is I stopped playing it because Ugin got printed. Like Ugin didn't get unprinted because because this new set. You think? We just figure, we'll figure something out. We'll counter it somehow. I don't see us countering the Ugin. What? What are we gonna counter it with? I don't know. Oh, so what? What white, green, or red spell are we gonna counter their Ugin with? We just brain maggot them. It's an enchantment. <sighs> Will it become a two-two? Yeah. That's hot. Yeah, our brain maggot. We just take it out of their hand. I think that just like the straight combo between uh, Erebos, God of the Dead, and this is like insane. Yeah. I just have like this card advantage engine, this indestructible guy, like just they chill. Draw some cards, draw some more cards from the graveyard. Oh, yeah. Kobe can't gain a new one. Oh, Erebos is kind of sweet with this. I think it's good. I think he's like. So green, white, black instead of green, white, red? Uh, maybe. Wait, so I was thinking like maybe black, white, this like this kind of deck with Ojitai's exemplars. Because, like, you want to have, like, a ton of spells with Ojisai's Exemplars, and then, like, you still have, like, all this offense, right? Like, Why do you want Ojisai's Exemplars? Because that card is unreal good. It just doesn't have any friends. Like, he, like you can't play it in a deck with, like, 25 creatures because right. then it's never triggering. But you actually have like, spells to, to, to trigger so like, all your prowess. If you, if you played it with, in a deck with, like, all Citadel Sieges, though, like... Every single card you play is like a Citadel Siege or like a, or, you know, a Silk Wrap or, or a, I don't know, Chain to the Rocks or whatever. Like, you know. Citadel Siege is cute. It's pretty good now, right? We'll see. Like, like, 
he's like a one-man army. He's like, he does everything. He gets in, he gains life, protects himself from from uh but from your, harm. All your tricks have to be instants and sorceries. No, that's just my permanent game. suite are mostly gonna be enchantments. I could play like I don't no, know. In order for him to be really good, you have to be instant and sorceries. I mean They're about the exemplars still. Yeah, maybe. I think like I'm just, I'm just excited to be able to play him with light form and uh and uh uh What's the name of it? Mastery of the Unseen. Like, these cards are all sweet. Mastery's kind of sweet with this. I don't know. Like, I still like Hammer Perforous. Well, I kind of like, I like Mastery of the Unseen. I wasn't even thinking about Mastery of the Unseen with Starfield and Nyx. It's a good card. Yeah. You, you gain DI life. You... Yeah. I mean, I don't know what creatures you're going to be flipping up in that deck. I don't but... need to flip. Yeah. Which just has exemplars. <laughs> like, my creatures probably just Ojitai's exemplars and... And uh, Seeker the way, probably. But, yeah. But what, why do you need all these creatures? You have, like, you have, like, all these, like, enchantment-based... Yeah, you're just, like, getting your your, your enchantments into the grave. You block! It's what dead. It comes back. When you have Starfield in play, and then you play, like, a light form arc cloud. Because it comes into play, but it's a creature. Does the thing uh, still trigger? Why would it trigger? Because it's not an aura. Light it's form is not, not an aura when it comes into play. So it becomes a creature... And then it, it still has that trigger to manifest. And then it's, it still manifests. And then light form becomes an aura? Yeah. Alright. If, if it becomes an aura, then it, yeah, then it would lose its creature status. Weird. It would mean they could bolt it in response, maybe? I don't even know. Yeah, they can do It that. still manifests. Yeah. It doesn't stop it from manifesting, yeah, 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 that's yeah. fine. Yeah. But that would be great if they bolted it in response. Um, card people were super excited about is Languish. Yeah. Like... I don't know, that's just like an unreal card that I'm definitely playing in my <laughs> in my black dragon deck. No, it's isn't this just way worse than Crux in a mono black dragon's deck? Yes. Yes. Unless Is this way better than Crux in a lot of other decks though? Yeah. Two BB, all creatures no. get minus four, minus four until end of turn sorcery. Basically, this lets you kill actually kill a fleece main lion. It's mini mutilate, right? Yeah. It's like But it doesn't let you kill a sea dragon. <laughs> It's awesome against Ojitai. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's just Cedrino and Tassiger, they live. But nobody else, you know, dragons live. But like, I don't know, dude. Dragons are too good. Yeah. Let's trade you an Ojitai for a Cedrino. That's a, I think that card is sweet. I think it's definitely going to be a card that I collect four copies of. Where, where, where does Liliana Defiant Necromancer and Liliana Heretical Healer fall in your... So Liliana Heretical Healer is BB1 for a 2-3 lifelink creature, right? Pretty for, good. First of all, that's just an excellent card. <laughs> Pretty good. Okay, like, it's not quite Vampire Nighthawk, but that's like saying it's just not one of the best creatures that that sure. casting cost ever printed. And the, literally what you need Vampire Nighthawk to do at 50%, a small percentage of the time Vampire Nighthawk was indexed where, like, it was, it was, like, there to do, you know, multiple, and yeah. actually not even really. yeah. yeah. I mean, like, if your Nighthawks were getting and rumbling with, with cards like Thragtusk or whatever, I don't even know. I played a lot of Nighthawks. I was like one of the first people, honestly, to ever play Nighthawk and Constructed, and people were like, why are you playing to begin with? And you just played it to get ahead on red decks, right? You hit them one or two sure. times. Lifelink was awesome. Uh, not having flying, obviously, makes it worse than Nighthawk, but the Death Touch was just... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that as, relevant on is, Nighthawk. Yeah, well, it was pretty relevant. In Limited, it was fantastic. It was super relevant, but you think it was but, relevant and constructed? No, no one even I'm, fought I'm Nighthawk. My head at limited. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nighthawk was the best limited card. It's better than any rare. Uh, it was very, very close between him and Hellcat Charger. That was that was like the big argument. It's like if you open a Hellcat Charger and Nighthawk, the answer the answer is you probably just take the Nighthawk. I mean, like I'm a huge fan of Nighthawk in in like standard constructed, yeah. and uh, I, I even played it a little bit in modern recently. I think it's good. Uh, this card does a for what you want Nighthawk to do in constructed. Liliana does at least two thirds of those things. So, so Liliana says whenever another non-token creature you control dies, exile Liliana, then return her to the battlefield, transformed under your control. If you do, put up two two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield, and you get her as a planeswalker. Form. And you get her as a planeswalker. So just for sake of argument, let's say you're. So she comes attacked. in as a three three. I mean, I'm sorry, a three loyalty. Uh, plus two, each player discards a card. So, so slow down for a second. So you're getting attacked, right? Opponent's attacking you. You cast Coco during combat, and you get Nissa and Liliana, right? 
Nissa triggers, you get your forest. You block their thing with Nissa, okay? Nissa yeah. dies in combat, hopefully trades with their thing. You flip Liliana and you get the 2 2 back, right? This is like the most unreal sequence I can think of for, for four mana and standard. I drew one, two, three, I drew five cards for, for four mana. And I have a board presence that's actually pretty substantial. You can also just ambush with a Seder Wayfinder. It's the same thing as Nessa. Like ambush with a Seder Wayfinder? Yeah, with the Coco. The Coco. Yeah, you, you can just get right. You don't have to get, you you don't have to get Nessa, right? You can, just get, you can just get Liliana and Seder Wayfinder. Well, the, 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 Nessa's going to kill the thing that they're getting and yeah, attacking in combat. You know, delve with the Seder Wayfinder. Yeah, yeah. Look, all of these things are going to be you're possible. you're putting more things in the bin for Liliana's minus ability. Look, man, I've been thinking about this three-card combo for two days now. <laughs> okay, ever since they officially spoiled Nyssa. And everyone's been talking about this. I think it's awesome. I mean, I think Collective Company is just Bloodbraid Elf, man. They shouldn't have done that. Well, this is really Bloodbraid Elf now, if you're getting, like, two, two threes. <laughs> I mean, or the situation where you ever, like, actually... Flip two planeswalkers. That's what I just said. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. Well, you were you had one of your planeswalkers dying. All right. So what if I did this? What if you had the Seder Wayfinder in play already? Then you flip Nissa and this. You block with your Seder Wayfinder. You flip Liliana. I, I actually have like six or so lands in play, <laughs> and I I break a wooded foothills at the end of the settlements. I'm although. Paul Rietzel would shoot me if I had a Widowed Foothills in play when my Kogo resolved, right? He was just like, it's like, absolutely, <laughs> you do not have a Widowed Foothills in play. Like, I, got, I really want to hit Anissa. You're know, like, why is there a Widowed Foothills in play? You just cast Kogo, right? So for, for those of you who don't know, you have to break the Widowed Foothills to remove a land from your deck, potentially. Right. Because you might miss with the Collected Company. You yes. want to increase your likelihood of hitting with the Collected Company. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that Paul Rietzel, the world's greatest master of beatdown decks of collective company, would be up to after someone on it. All right, so that's it for this episode. Uh, it is? Copy we, magic, yeah. Done? We gotta we gotta go meet someone to shoot our next episode. He's not coming here? No, no, no. Why did you mean? make me come here? He's right outside. He's just down the block. I didn't want him to have to come up, you know, just... We're gonna go. All right, if you say so. Uh, this has been Brian David Marshall. I'm Michael J. Flores. And... Fetchland.com. And Matt Ferrando. And Matt Ferrando. And we're going to go eat Shake Shack. Well, I don't know what Brian was talking about recording another episode, but we're going to go eat Shake Shack. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Goodbye.